Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, don't at me. That's right. Don't at me. And by the way, <clears throat> before we get going, for those of you watching in the great city of Indianapolis, I got to tell you. About 40 minutes north is this little restaurant called Bongi's that people, I guess it's famous. Dillinger used to go there. Mobsters used to go there. You tailgate in the parking lot. I went yesterday and oh, baby, is it good. Oh, man, oh, man. Tasty. Yeah, it is. Very, very tasty. Uh, It is. It's weird. You can tailgate in the parking lot. You got to call for reservations. There's only like 40 people in the dining room, and it's become a thing here in India. And I got to tell you, I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about it even a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. We got a monster for you. Uh, Quickly on this, you know, I worked at ESPN. Dan Lebitard and the fellas were always, you know, yapping about everybody is inclusive. Everybody is this. He told Outkick to F all the way off. Not sort of off, not almost off, but all the way off. I defer to what I did when the president of West Virginia stood up, pounded the desk at me and my wife when I was the head coach there for eight days and threatened us. I laugh. I'm wrong about certain things, always. But I'm not wrong when guys that are like Levitard or some, you know, uh, kind of fat-ass university president, get all mad. I just laugh. I just look at him and laugh and go, man, how long would it take me to drop you? (laughs) But, hey, look, F all the way off, outkick. Yep, I agree. They should be, in my opinion. They should be. Not worried. Nobody should be worried in the world of media, but they should be paying attention to OutKick because OutKick is surpassing everything. So we will continue to F all the way off. (laughs) Not some of the way, damn it. All of the way. That's right. All the way. That's awesome. I like little media fights. Apparently, there was an interview, and I heard it with Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic got mad in the interview. Outkick responded, like, what are you doing? So, you know what? The most inclusive of all of us. Ah, F all the way off. I love it. Uh, good Good for everybody. Nobody likes a good media spat more than me. And when I say nobody, I mean nobody. I'm in one every day. I got one going right now. I said yesterday. Posted a study. Study said, hey, look, vaccines, people that got vaccines, their donations, you know, the donor organs that they receive aren't taking. And it was a study off of a TV station. And I said, look, as more and more comes out about the vaccine, I think it was ridiculous that the sports media, the sports media, 
shamed athletes like here in our town, Carson Wentz or Cole Beasley, uh, a non-athlete like Sage Steele or Aaron Rodgers. Is, <laughs> I had a physician say, misinformation. It's misinformation to say that bullying is bad? We don't read very well in this country anymore. We don't read well. We need to read better. I got people saying, well, Doc, it's your anti-science. I can't believe you went to my high school. What? My high school taught me to think for myself, damn it. <laughs> every stinking day I look at this phone and every day I got pure poly purebred coming at me. I got Jimmy from Joyzy coming at me. I love a good media scrum. <coughs> I told Lee last night, we're going to have to go F all the way off. Not some of the way. We got to go all the way. Damn it. <laughs> oh, man, nobody loves it more than me. Seriously. I bet you there's one coming up here right now. Uh, I bet you there's uh, one somewhere, somewhere coming up here. Yeah. Uh, seems like. There would be no harm into listening what he has to say, talking about a, a doctor that wants to come on my show. All are welcome. We open our arms. Let's talk a little sports, shall we? Actually, it's not really sports. I got to tell you, I think we're getting a little too sensitive. Max Kellerman uh, on ESPN, people are saying he accused Pujols of cheating. Now, look, you got to understand ESPN. ESPN has on the court at the NBA Finals had Jalen Rose say that people were murdered that weren't murdered. ESPN had, has had all kinds of misinformation. Why hasn't Jalen Rose ever apologized? Why hasn't any of, haven't any of these folks ever apologized? You know what? Here's what I saw. And again, you tell me if I'm wrong. Here's what I saw. Out of Max Kellerman. Bartender, I'll have what he's having. So people immediately said, well, he's accusing Pujols of cheating. Maybe. But there was, there was for a long time, Bartender Jack on ESPN. That was one of the host sayings. So I saw what Max Kellerman said, and when it initially came to me, I thought, oh, man, what did he say? Did he say, like, there's andro in his locker? Did he say, like, there's testosterone? What is he doing? What is he saying? Wait, that's what he said? Hold on. Hold on. That's it? I'll have what he's having, and we're in an uproar? Why do we get in an uproar over some things but not other things? Like, Jalen Rose could literally have a DUI, which he has, could literally talk about white boy wasted, which he has, can talk a number of things that are factually incorrect in race baiting and has never one time, at least that I could find, had to apologize. Not one time. Max Kellerman says, I'll have what he's having. And this is a problem. Maybe he's having orange juice. Maybe Max thought he's having tomato juice. I don't know Max Kellerman. So this isn't one of those, hey, he's buddies of yours on ESPN, right? No, this isn't that. I don't know Max Kellerman. I've never met Max Kellerman. I don't watch Max Kellerman's show. It, 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 it's on at a time where, number one, I wouldn't watch it. Number two, ah, meh, meh. But I, I sit here and I go, hold on a second. Wait, and, 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 and this is what I do. And you can't really see this, but I'm like, all right, let's type in Max Kellerman. 
And all right, Max Kellerman, Albert Pujols. All right, let's hit that. What did he say? ESPN's Max Kellerman swings and misses on Pujols. Okay. All right. That's from Ben Fred. Ben Fred is the big columnist. He's the guy. He's the columnist. He's the new Bernie Micklitz. Who said that? Who said what? That was my reaction. Pujols has got all kind of home runs. It's amazing how Pujols, who has in steady decline for years, suddenly, it's like he discovered the fountain of youth. That's not wrong. That's wrong. He can't say that. I don't know how he's doing it. Oh, my God, the bat speed, everything. He's killing the ball. Matter of fact, bartender, I'll have what he's having. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm sure he's turned back the clock. He sure has turned back the clock. I just wonder if there's anything that could be pointed to. How does a player turn back the clock? I guess it's willpower in practice. All these years between then and now, he hasn't been practicing apparently. It's a stupid take. Yeah, it's a stupid take. But ESPN is full every day with stupid takes. You can't swing a dead cat, hit ESPN, and not have a stupid take. What are we doing? But this, this is such a horrific, this is where ESPN draws the line. This is the difference between, no, you can't say that, and yes, you can. That? Saying that dudes were murdered that weren't on, on the court at the NBA Finals? That? And we all know there's a zillion examples. I'm no Max Kellerman apologist. Again, I don't know the dude. What? I would know who he is. Never even ran into him at ESPN. I used to go there every Wednesday when I first started and do Thursdays, Fridays, and then fly to the next game. Never met him. Don't know him. But this is where we draw the line? Ucha, capesta. My eyes are burning. I don't know what that means, by the way. I, I don't. Kids have been saying that in my neighborhood growing up. So if that's bad, I apologize. I do. I don't know what it meant. So everybody in my neighborhood used to say that. I don't know if it's Serbian. I don't know, but I, if it did, I, <laughs> you got to be careful with everything you say. Bartender, I'll have what he's having. That's the line ESPN draws for apology. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, at least we know. I, I guess at least we're like, okay, dokie. Max, don't do that. All right. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, man. All right, here's a couple of things. One that's not in our rundown. Uh, well, yeah, it is. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina set a record yesterday, and I think it's a pretty cool record. It basically is the record for 325 starts as battery mates, meaning pitcher, catcher. A lot of people don't know battery mates, and I don't know what battery means anymore. Like, I grew up and we always talked about battery. The battery of Fergie Jenkins and Randy Huntley was my favorite. That was always my favorite. Because Fergie would throw nine innings of shutout baseball, and the Cubs would still manage to lose, I don't know how, extra innings maybe. So these two guys, these been in St. Louis forever. The previous mark was by Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand. Now, Back in the day, Mickey Lolich was the poster child for baseball players not being athletes. He was. He was the poster child for it. And Bill Freehand was the poster child for hard work. So what this tells me is from 63 to 75, you could be a fat old lefty and get her done. 
Think Danny McLean, who drank a case of Coke every day. True story. Had it in his uh, uh, trunk. Think Wilbur Wood, the stylish knuckleballer. Yeah. How about that? The stylish knuckleballer. I'm stylish. Fat lefties ruled the day. Now you don't see fat anything in baseball. Now you got Adam Wainwright, who is a stud, about 6'4", ripped, and Yadier Molina. It's amazing what catchers. Catchers have the hardest job ever. It is every day. It is in gear. In St. Louis, it is stiflingly hot. Philadelphia, stiflingly hot when Bob Boone was setting records for longevity. And yet catchers just keep going. Carlton Fisk played till he's 172. It's a damnness thing. Hey, wait, let me go back. Let me go back to uh, Levitard and Stugat. So if we are effing all the way off, how do we go the other way? Enjoy all the way up, off, on. Enjoy all the way on, you two guys, Wainwright and Molina. Yeah, that's right. Enjoy the living heck out of it. I mean, what are you going to do? You just set a record. Anytime you set a Major League Baseball record with all the history, it's to be celebrated. It is. And back, and, and wait a second here. Hold on. Let me go back to what Max Kellerman said about Albert Pujols. You're telling me that in this life, in this world, based on baseball's history, it's egregious to even slightly kinda remotely refer to maybe somebody was doing steroids? That's what you're telling me? That's what you're telling me? Like, are we that stupid? Like, do we think, well, uh, steroids isn't in the game anymore. Time out. Didn't Tatis Jr. just get suspended for it, the star? Didn't the star, the guy that's on all my commercials, didn't he get suspended for it just now? Am I wrong? Haven't I seen about five guys this year suspended for it, minor leaguers included? But it's so egregious that Max Kellerman can't even kind of sort of make reference to it. Let me ask you a question. If this wasn't Albert Pujols, who now is beloved, would we be asking, asking these questions? Would we be mad at Kellerman? I don't know. But I know this. When Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were going after the home run record, they were much beloved. And only after the fact did anybody give a rat's that these two were juicing like a freaking item, like my wife getting ready for a half marathon and the juicer. So we're just supposed to say, well, this thing that never happens in baseball is happening and you're not even allowed to question it. I got two words for you, Megan. I'm not pulling the trigger on the second one. My backside. Come on. We're not that stupid. We're not. And again, I don't give a damn. Hey, they could fire Max Kellerman tomorrow, and I'd go, hey, okay, what are you going to do? But we're that dumb. Because this guy's beloved. Sosa was beloved. He would run out to right field. He got his American flag, run around, everybody lose their mind, love, love, love. Couldn't question the roids when all of a sudden he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
when he was the Terminator, when it went from a good-looking, lean, athletic build to when Barry Bonds' head grew 17 freaking inches, we weren't allowed to say anything until after the fact. But now you're not allowed to say anything about Pujols? My backside. I'm telling you, this country is going backwards in every way, shape, or form. This is very odd to me. Trevor Bauer posted, he posted a video. You remember Trevor Bauer, the pitcher for the Dodgers? He's a guy that, again, who knows what you believe, right? He's a guy that based on one claim that was shot down in court, much like uh, Deshaun Watson's, has been suspended for two years from Major League Baseball. So there's all kind of civil suits here between Trevor Bauer and the lady that says, hey, look, this is what happened to me. And I'm not saying anything, and I mean nothing, relative to the victim. Not a daggone thing. Nothing. But the fact of the matter is, oh, I don't know. There are always two sides. There are always two sides. All right? There are. There's two sides to it. There is. I mean, I don't care. Take a look. Whatever side, whatever you want to say, there are two sides. One is the victim, and one is, I guess, he's the plaintiff. Let's play the video that Bauer put out there. Let's, let's play. This is apparently, well, I'll let him describe it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Did we have audio on that? I mean, one of the things that... What's that? No, it's just a video, no audio. Well, this is apparently a video that Bauer is releasing saying that this is the woman and her story is not true. I don't know who to believe in this. And this is one of the oddest cases ever because it doesn't end. Like this literally does not end. It seriously doesn't. Like when you look at Bauer and there are pictures of a woman, this woman with black eyes and apparently was during consensual sex that got incredibly rough. And there were charges that were not filed. They were tried to, they were not. It's really fascinating. It really is. It's fascinating, this story, because he continues to fight. She will sue, he'll sue back. A lot of people are saying, you know what? Trevor Bauer had one case that got dismissed like Deshaun Watson, and yet he got suspended two years. Deshaun Watson got 11 games. It is a fast, I don't know what to believe. Usually I have a take on things. But I know this, this isn't going away. 
And this is something for you all to watch. Now, in the world we live in, Bauer, I don't think, can make a comeback from this. I don't. I don't think he can make a comeback from this at all. In fact, I think, I don't know, almost, and I hate to say this because I'm not there, but Bauer ought to just take his two years and go home. But that's really hard to do. That's really hard to tell somebody to do, particularly, I don't know, people that think they're right. And it appears to me that Bauer thinks he's right. This is one of the oddest things ever. And let me ask you another question. Who took the video? Like, I've tried to look this up, and maybe I missed it. But who took the video? Because you could clearly see Bauer over here on the side. And then, uh, I don't know. You see the woman, you see him. It is very odd to me. It really is. It's very, very odd. But, hey, it's the world that we live in. It's the world that we live in. The world is not changing, and I don't know who's right. I don't, but I know this. I I know this. Uh, uh, Trevor Bauer got a problem. I think that video helped. I'm not sure it hurt. You know, I, I'm not. I don't know. But this is a very odd deal to me that just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. Very odd. All right. Tonight, Chargers, Chiefs. You know what? I, I got the two teams, the Chargers and the Chiefs, in my top five. And I got to tell you, I'm very much looking forward to this. I am very, very, very much looking forward to the Chargers versus the Chiefs. Why? Because they're two of the top five teams in the league. If you saw what the Chiefs did to the, to the Cardinals, holy cow. It was a massacre. It started early, it started often, and it never, ever stopped. It did not stop. It didn't. It stopped, I guess, when the game was over. And it was a rivalry game. It was a massive game. Mahomes lost his mind in it. Mahomes was not messing around. Mahomes had something to prove. Here's the thing, next game. Is that edge still there? Is that edge, that Mahomes, you could tell. I mean, I don't know how much you watched of the Kansas City Chiefs game. I watched a bunch of it. You could tell that Mahomes, who for the first time in his, I don't know, in his lifetime, was actually challenged. He was challenged. That's right. And I got to tell you, he stood up to the challenge. He did. He stood up to the challenge, and not only did he stand up, he crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. I mean, could not have crushed it more. Crushed it. Killed it. Destroyed it. Made it his own. Ridiculous. So the fact of the matter is this. When you watch this game tonight, that's one side. Watch what happens with Mahomes. Watch what happens. See if he still has that edge. See if he still is the guy that he was last week because it's hard to maintain that edge. Now, on the other side, here's the deal with the Chargers. Think about this. The Chargers have something to prove, and who do you prove it against? You're not proving it, yes, to a degree because they're in your division. You are proving it to a degree against the Raiders. You are. You're proving it against the Raiders. Fine. You did that. You beat them. 
Derek Carr was throwing the ball to me, and I was sitting in my living room. But now, man, now here we go. The big dog. And you're telling me, well, it's only week two. And you're right. It is only week two. But this is an opportunity for everybody inside that organization to feel good as the season starts. I mean, really good. That's what this game tonight is about. That's exactly what this game tonight is about. This game isn't about who can get the most. This game is about whether or not Mahomes' team is going to play at the level they played at week after week after week. And and are the Chargers ready early in the season? And early in the season is not the biggest thing, obviously. You want to keep getting better. But daggone early in the season certainly, certainly, sets you up for later on in the season. It does. It absolutely does. 100%. It sets you up for, unless there's injury. Injury destroys everything. Let's be honest here. You can have a great year going, but injury takes it all away. I'm just saying normal injury, this game establishes, doesn't do anything for the Chiefs other than establish this is who they're going to be at least early. And, however, for the Chargers, it says, Chiefs, we ain't messing around this year. Now, what's going to happen in the game is going to be decided by the two quarterbacks, particularly Justin Herbert. Remember, Mahomes has been there, and Mahomes has done it. What do you want Mahomes to do? Mahomes is on his way. He's not going to win as many as Brady, but he's on his way to that level. Herbert is here. He's coming. He's coming. Everybody loves him. Everybody thinks he's terrific. Let's go. Let's go. But the fact of the matter is, Herbert has got to prove it in games like this. You know who proved it in a game like this in week one? Josh Allen. Did he need to? That's up for debate. Josh Allen and the Bills are ultimately going to be judged, as is everybody, by what happens in the Super Bowl. But for an early season game, this one's electric. This one's dynamic. It's on Amazon Prime. So you can go to Amazon Prime and you can buy yourself a throw rug. You can get a new uh, grill. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, you can get yourself an NFL football game. First time, Herbie and L. Michaels. It'll be awesome. Uh, I can't wait. I can't. But there's a lot in this game, early season. I'm going to get into there's a lot for a number of teams, early season. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. I am. I'm going to get into that. I'm going to talk about it. Why a lot of early season games, particularly for the one in my city, are huge. Not kind of huge. Huge in my city of Indianapolis. I mean massive this weekend. You don't think so week two. Well, I got to tell you. Massive. All right, when we come back, I got the damn awards. I got a new hero, and he's not an old hero. He's not a new hero. Uh, I got another hero that I'm begging to come back. I got a, hey, wait a second here, the PR. The PR department is working for one NFL team. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Man, I got people jumping today. We got them jumping, ladies and gentlemen, all because, uh, yeah. All because I put out a tweet saying that the media, I'm disgusted by them as we see more and more negative coming out of the COVID vaccine. I mean, people can change the narrative all they want. You know what I mean? I mean, they can do whatever. But I got to tell you, this is incredible. Uh, Breaking news. Breaking news in the world of sports. Roger Federer just announced his retirement. How about that? Roger Federer announced his retirement just now 
And that's why you watch the show, to hear these things. You do. You watch the show to hear these things. And we got it for you first because that's what we do. We're the best show you could possibly watch for this. But Roger Federer has announced his retirement, and I'm sad about it because Roger Federer was so much fun to watch play tennis, so classy. He was awesome. You kidding me? He was absolutely awesome. So the idea that Roger Federer will no longer play tennis isn't a surprise. I didn't see him at the U.S. Open. Uh, and you know what? He deserves retirement. I'll get to a person that I am hoping unretires coming up here in a little bit. My hero award. You know, this is interesting. You know, that the folks that want illegal immigrants in this country are folks that don't have to deal with when illegal immigrants come into this country. We've seen it in Chicago, right? In Chicago, we're a sanctuary city. So all of a sudden, a couple busloads from Texas come into Chicago, and all of a sudden, it's an uproar. Obviously, we've seen it in New York City. We've seen it in New York City with, oh my God, Eric Adams, the mayor, doesn't know what to do, calls it a crisis. All right. We see it all the time. We do. And Governor DeSantis and Gov <laughs> Governor Abbott have been very, very clear about what it is they want to do. And what they want to do is simply send their immigrants to these cities that are so anxious to have them. Nothing wrong with that. You're a sanctuary city. Go get them, man. Seriously, go get them. All right? So now, so my hero, Governor DeSantis. Governor DeSantis decides, well, you know what? I'm going to send me a couple of plane loads of illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, where the rich and the famous hang, where the folks that, you know what, man, what a great life. What, what a great life these folks are going to have, right? Martha's Vineyard. Look, I think people are people, you know, and I hate that we call anybody illegal, but if you don't, then that's a slap at people that did it the right way. They did it legally. My people came over from Poland and from Serbia at the time, I, you know. So I don't know, uh, but I do know this. Florida can't confirm the two planes with illegal immigrants have arrived in Martha's Vineyard. They were part of the state's relocation program to transport illegal immigrants to sanctuary destinations. States like Massachusetts, New York, and California will better facilitate the care of these individuals who they have invited into our country by incentivizing illegal immigration through their designation as sanctuary city and support for the Biden administration open border policy. 50 immigrants arrived on Martha's Vineyard. All right. Uh, white vans took the immigrants to Martha Vineyard's community service. So there you go. I mean, if you're a sanctuary city and they're talking about how Martha's Vineyard is, um, I don't know, is now, quote, scrambling. If you're a sanctuary city, I think you should be ready for this. If you're a sanctuary city, I think you should have a plan in place to be a sanctuary city. 
not be scrambling after the fact. Hey, look, we're a sanctuary city. A reporter may ask, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing for people? What are you doing for people that come over? What are you doing? And people go, well, uh, okay, I don't know. We're scrambling. Shouldn't be that way. You can't just talk. You can't just talk um, about it. You can't. You can't just have a conversation, right? You can't just say, okay, you're a sanctuary city. Tell me your plan if and when people come because I got to believe, I got to believe that I don't know. You're saying it just because it sounds great and you never imagined anybody from a border thousands of miles away from you was going to come into your city. It was a very easy thing for you to say. So if you're not prepared, if you're, quote, scrambling, that's on you. Uh, Please come back, award. Man, I got to tell you, and I'll keep telling you, Uh, and I will always tell you very simply, I want appointment TV. I love appointment TV. That's what I like. And Serena Williams is appointment TV. She just is. She simply is. And at the end of the day, she is making noise about coming back. I want her back. She looked great to me. Hey, look, yeah, she's got to improve. I don't know what she's got to improve in. You know, maybe she's got to have a better backhand. Maybe her forehand let her down. Hell, she's 40 years old. I don't know. But I want Serena Williams back. I want her back today. I want her back tomorrow. And I want her back the next day. So give me a Tom Brady. And oh, by the way, Serena Williams is absolutely hinting at it. She's not walking around saying no. She's walking around saying maybe no. And there's a big difference. There's a huge difference between no and baby no. Maybe no. Honest to God. Big difference. Big. Big, 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 big difference. Big difference. Huge difference. Anyway... I hope she comes back. I want her to come back. I think she should come back. And if she doesn't come back, I will be upset about it. Actually, I won't be. What I'll be is, okay. I got to find somebody else that I want to watch. The NFL's here, so I'll watch that. Uh, Nobody in the world, and I'm going to go two things here on the Colts. Nobody here in the world, in the world, has a better PR arm than the Colts. Like, the Colts, you don't know this, but I talk about it all the time. The general manager of the Colts is 41-41-1. Now, if you're going to ask me, define 50%, 41-41-1, I would say the only... Well, not the only, but if you were going to get more defined, it would be 41, 41, and 41. But he's 41, 41, and 41. That's it. 41, 41, and 41. That's what we do. All right. So here's the deal. 
All right. Frank Reich is considered an elite coach by those on Fox, by those everywhere. They have an unbelievable, they built a PR wing. I was reading ESPN yesterday. Now, you got to remember the Colts tied. They tied the Texans. They tied. They didn't win. They didn't win. They tied the Texans. Big article yesterday on Matt Ryan came to Indy for the Lombardi Trophy. Really? That's the headline? After you tied Texas on a franchise that had Peyton Manning for 15 years and went to two Super Bowls, winning one, and then he went to Denver in four years, went to two Super Bowls, winning one? That's what you're talking about? That's where we're at? Are you serious? Like, what other franchise that has the number? They didn't make the playoffs last year. They didn't make the playoffs. Had two chances to make the playoffs. Home against the Raiders, interim coach. Road against the Jaguars, interim coach. And didn't get it done. Didn't get it done. I don't know what to tell you. But uh, the, uh, the headline on ESPN's homepage, he's here to get his Lombardi. Why Matt Ryan's singular, singular focus led him to the Colts. It's unbelievable. It's truly unbelievable. That's the headline after, after going 0-2 to end the season. And Ryan wasn't there. Missing the playoffs, that's what the Colts did. And tying the Texans. I don't know what this word means either, but my mother used to say, Ishkabibble. Ishkabibble. What are we talking about? That's where you get your, hey, yay, rock, go fight, win. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. There you go. I guess, I suppose. I guess, I I don't know, but I know this, and this leads me to my next award, Frankie Reich, Frankie ball game, you better win, you better win this week, you better win, that's my next award, the uh, you better win award, now, I looked this up yesterday, and the number one coach to be fired odds-wise is the Panthers' Matt Rule. Matt Rule is like, I don't know, 5-1. to one. Reich was like 10-1. to one. That, may, that may be different. But PR or not, I want you to listen to this. When Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, the GM and coach, got back from their game against Jacksonville last year, the owner, Jimmy Ursay, called him in. Both of them, that night. Now, I don't know what transpired in that meeting. Those three men do, and they're all honorable guys, so I assume they're not going to say, and I don't think they have said. They're three really good guys, really good guys. So they go into this meeting. They emerge from the meeting where they actually, well, they have a job. They have a job. They did not get fired. Everything is, quote, okay, all right? Fast forward. Jimmy Ursay is making plane videos. 
He is next to his plane and he's making videos saying, hey, look, we're all in. Hey, look, we're going all in. Hey, look, if you're not all in, don't come to our building. You can't walk into 56th Street if you're not all in. All right. Okay. Well, guess what? Um, they tied the Texans game one. They didn't win. And now, now, here's the deal. The deal is this. They play the Jaguars. They haven't won in the Jaguars since I was coaching 50 years ago. They, for some reason, never win in Jacksonville. But if you're going to play the game, and they are, and you're going to be all in, and they're supposed to be, then don't you have to go to Jacksonville and win? And if you don't, what happens? How are you going to make right? We are all in and yet lose to the same team the next year with the same coach. I'm not saying he should be fired. I'm saying you better win. You better win this game. And it's stupid to say this two games in, and it hurts my heart to say it, but I think it's true. I was asking my producer yesterday, my afternoon producer, Jimmy Cook. I said, Jimmy, what would you do? He said, I would fire them. And it shocked the living you-know-what out of me. It shocked me to high heavens because I'm saying Jimmy is like the nicest dude. <clears throat> Jimmy is like the greatest dude. Jimmy, uh, you know, does not mess around with my shenanigans. You know what I mean? He doesn't. He doesn't mess around with, you know what, Dan? Uh, my arguments and my all that stuff. He doesn't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't jack around with it. Okay? Doesn't do it. But when he said that, I'm like, wow, if the Jay Cook, and that's him on Twitter, at the Jay Cook, if he thinks they should be fired, holy cow. And it made me think, well, if you are going to draw a line in the sand, and somebody pushes that line, I don't know, man. I think, personally, you're going to have to take action. I don't want them to, and I don't want them to lose. I make that very clear. People say all the time to, to radio hosts that are local, boy, you want your team to lose, so you have something to talk about on Monday. No, I want my team to win. We will always talk about the game on Monday, but the excitement goes up as we get towards the next game. It just does. All right? It just does. The excitement goes up, 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 up. When you lose, the excitement is here, and people start losing interest. You know how it goes. What happens in your local high school or your local college or everywhere? Win, tickets sell. Lose, we got a problem. That's it. So I want the Colts to win. I'm just critical of the Colts because, well, they haven't won. And it hurts the entire city of Indianapolis. So my man here had better do some winning, not tying, winning. People say, well, you play the Jaguars. What if you win, you know, because they missed a 12-yard field goal? Don't care, you won. Well, what happens if it's a good loss? I got asked yesterday. You tell me what's a good loss. Will you please tell me what's a good loss? Please? Please. Bueller, anyone? Anyone? Bueller, anyone? What would be a good loss to the Jaguars? I mean, I'll listen. I will. 
I'll listen. Uh, you're up 28 or 27, 21. Jaguars got the ball. Maybe you've got the ball. You fumble. They win on a touchdown late. Maybe you miss a 10-yard field goal or you would have won it. I don't know. But there is no good loss to the Jaguars. So in week two, right there, you got to win, baby. You just got to win. All right? I'm going to give you some college football games this weekend. There's going to be a lot of talk about college football week this weekend. There is. There, there has to be. There always is. You know what I mean? There, there is. And I'm going to give you some. But the truth of the matter is I am not going to give you any more than what I am about to give you here in terms of interest. All right? Syracuse at home against Purdue. Syracuse at home against Purdue is a sneaky good game. Syracuse at home against Purdue is one of those games where you go, yeah, I got no interest. Yeah, no. No. I'm telling you right now. I've watched both teams. Both teams are fun to watch. I watched Syracuse last week dismantle, arguably, and I will admit to it, the worst team in college football, possibly, possibly. I mean, not not in all of college football, but in 1A, or whatever they call it now, BCS, I don't know. Whatever they call Division I football, UConn is as bad as any. Now, Jim Mora may have it on the right track. Their quarterback got hurt. I don't know. But I sat and I watched it because a, my, my wife, stepkids are all from Syracuse. Uh, they know most of the players on the team. Certainly my, son, my, my stepson does. And I got to tell you, we started watching, and I didn't want to watch. I really didn't. I, I was like, yeah, okay, I, no, I don't want to watch. I'll watch something else. But the more I watched, the more I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Syracuse pretty good. Syracuse got a dynamic running back. Syracuse got a quarterback named Schrader that can throw the ball. You don't care about it. But when you see it on your dial, do yourself a favor, take a look. Seriously, take a look. There's a lot of great games. And I saved the best of this for last. Aiden O'Connell for Heisman. Aiden O'Connell for Heisman. Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback, the guy on the right, who played well, not well enough to win the Heisman, did not play well enough to win the Heisman in the game against Penn State. You know, Bryce Young made an unbelievable ducking play. The quarterback for Alabama made great plays. He played well enough to win the Heisman. He made the Heisman-type play. But Aiden O'Connell is a guy that is on the Heisman board. About 10 to 1, 100 to 1, whatever that, whatever that, you know. I guess it's, uh, you know, I bet $50 to win 5000 I think. So what's that, 100 to 1? The deal is this. His campaign is still real, people. Yes, it is. And when he goes about 30 for 33 with 500 yards passing, seven touchdowns, blah, 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 don't at me. Don't come crying to Double D and saying how great I am, because I am. But it is going to be, it is going to be a very, very, very interesting game. Is it the most interesting game? Hey, I don't know. To Syracuse people it is, I'll bet you. I mean, I would bet you. To Purdue folks it is. To, to people that are saying, hold on. Give me another team. Give me somebody that I can get down with. 
right? Give me somebody that I can go, hey, who's any good? I don't know. Florida State, Louisville, Friday, Western Kentucky, Indiana. You know it is. You know it is. Rutgers Temple? No, I don't think so. BYU, Oregon. Remember Oregon got drubbed? I don't know. Penn State, Auburn? Yeah, that's a good one. I don't think it's a great slate. Akron, Tennessee, for all of my peeps that are in Nashville? I don't know. Uh, UTSA against Texas? I'm going through the slate here, and I just don't see anything uber interesting. I mean... Alabama plays Louisiana Monroe. What does that do for me? That doesn't do squat for me. But I'm telling you, in the pantheon of good games, Georgia at South Carolina, you know how much we love Shane Beamer. That might be a good game for you to watch. We'll talk when we uh, – Armando is going to join us. Trey Wallace is going to join us. And we're going to talk to them about the games coming up this weekend. But I got to tell you, Syracuse and Purdue is as good as that. You'll start watching. Here's what you'll do. You ready? You'll start watching it, and you'll go, wow. Pretty good game. Really good game. All right. A couple of things. Let me go through before we leave tonight. Chargers at the Chiefs. It's a four-point spread. The over-under is 54. I got to tell you, this is a tough one. If that spread were three, I'd be all over the Chiefs. I'd be all over them. Because as I told you earlier, you know, you got to think this way. The Chiefs played unbelievable, ridiculous, stupid good on the road. Chargers played good enough. Herbert, fantastic. If the Chiefs are as good in week two as they were in week one, and the Chargers are as good in week two as they were in week one, I'm taking the Chiefs and I'm giving the four. Because I don't think there is any team alive that could have beaten the Chiefs uh, last Sunday. I don't. I don't think there is any team in the NFL that could have beaten the Chiefs. I don't. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. I don't. What can I tell you? Uh, however, getting those two teams to play that way, particularly the Chiefs again, I don't know, man. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I was reading a tweet that said, hey, Dan, you're nuts already. A week two must win. Look, if you're the, co- I just want to put you in the position of Jimmy Ursay. All right. Talking about Frank Wright. Just, just hear me out for a second. You love this team. This team is your life. You are used to Peyton Manning's successes. You have been out in front saying, look, this is going to be a golden era. And you fell flat. You lose two games. One of them to Jacksonville. You make a big deal about how this is our year to come at the Titans. They're on the mountaintop. They're up here. All right? Okay. So here's the deal. You tie the Texans. No Deshaun, no JJ, no Jadavian. Remember those guys on the Texas? Pretty good team. They don't have that. You tie them. And now you go to Jacksonville. 
and you've already put out videos saying, we are all in. We are a new team. You have to be all in to enter the building, and you lose. Let me ask you a question. Would you fire the guy? I mean, the obvious answer is, who are you going to hire instead? Now, they got Gus Bradley there. He's been a head coach. Record isn't great, but revered around the NFL. I don't know. I personally don't think that I would. I think the division kind of saves you. The AFC saves you. But if you're going to ask me, would I think about it? Where would I be in percentage? The game is over. There is no good loss. None. I'd be about 70-30 to find a new coach. Not have to be talked out of it. But I can't make all these videos as a man that loves my franchise. I can't make all these kind of, this is what we're doing lose, and the next thing you know, I'm okay with it. I'm a Colts fan, Colts season ticket holder, I got to tell you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That'd be hard. He might be the only one. Rule might be the other. But if you watch the game on Sunday, 1 o'clock, and the Colts are getting beat, you might run over to your betting app. And you might put a few on the first coach fired because it would not surprise. Speaking of your favorite betting app, how are we doing with Bet Rivers? We doing any good? Should be. Bet Rivers is going to give and is giving new users a great deal. It's a bonus. $5. New user, put your money in, go to betrivers.com or download the app. $5 bet gets you $200 in free bets instantly. Now, what does that mean? Well, what that means is you got $200 that you can spend on bets. You keep the money. So let's say you bet $200 to win uh, $300. You bet the $200, you lose. What? Not your money. It's free bets. You bet the $200, you win $300, you keep the $300. And you don't have to do it that way. That's... uh, uh, that's DraftKings. Jeez, I was talking Bet Rivers. What's wrong with me? Oh, sorry about that. That's DraftKings. That's Kevin Hart. So you go to DraftKings. Let me start again. Can you erase that? You go to DraftKings. You, <laughs> you put in money. You go to the app. You bet $5. You get $200 at DraftKings. What can I tell you? It's a great deal. It is the deal of a lifetime. It is. People say not like the Colts will fire anything. If he didn't get fired the last two games of last year, he won't get fired now. All right. Okay. Trey is going to join us, the great Trey Wallace. We're going to talk what the hell is going to go on in the SEC this weekend. And then Armando, Armando Sagara is going to join us, and we're going to talk about the freaking Dolphins. Ah, the Dolphins. The Dolphins been in the news all day. We'll talk to Trey, and get the lowdown on the SEC when we come back. You know, I was just talking about the slate of football this week in Auburn, Alabama is where it all goes down. Penn State comes in, Coach Franklin, who seemingly two things happen at Penn State. One, people always complain. Two, he always gets extended. Uh, against Auburn, where, frankly, it feels like ever since Gene Chizik was hired, uh, the Auburn – job has been a mess for whatever the reason. Nobody knows it better than the great Trey Wallace. You're headed there. Tell me about first, 
What's the deal with Auburn? Where are we at? We're at a situation where this is a big game for them, Dan. I mean, and for Brian Harson. Let me rephrase that. For Brian Harson, this is a big game. He needs a win like this. He, he came close against Alabama last year to wrap up the season. I think we all saw that game. But this one's different. First time a Big Ten school has ever traveled to Auburn to play in Georgia Stadium, which is crazy when I think about that. Um, and, and then, you know, just looking at it overall, you need a a signature win. You need like a, a national win, something that sticks out. A win against Penn State will do it. I know they're ranked, you know, in the back, back part of the top 25, but it's still Penn State and it's still James Franklin. And man, if he can get if he can get a win this weekend, maybe you quiet down the boosters just a little bit, and and you'd be sitting at three and zero on the season. I know that's going to go the opposite direction, but you know Auburn Auburn's due, but Auburn needs a big win this weekend against uh, the Nittany Lions. Can they do that? Are they any good? I mean, yeah, yeah, they're good, Dan. They they've got you know a running back named Tank Bixby who is, in my opinion, you know, probably top five, top six running backs in, in the conference. Um, they got a quarterback situation, man, where T.J. Finley, the former LSU quarterbacks there, uh, they got a young man named Robbie Ashford. But T.J. Finley's the starter, you know, six foot six, uh, 255 pounds, can sling the football. Uh, but the problem is, is, decision-making sometimes um, I think is the big thing, double interceptions, being able to run this offense. But he's hard to bring down, and you're going to see times on Saturday where he's going to try to run the football, and I'm, I'm interested to see how Penn State stops it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think you're going to see two quarterbacks this weekend. I think, you know, one of them's a running quarterback. T.J. Finley's more of a sit-in-the-pocket type of passer. So there's ways to beat Penn State. I think Auburn can do it. It's just it's going to be challenging. I watched Penn State take on Purdue. I, I thought they were good. I wasn't blown away by them. They they did show. I will say this: they did show a real toughness. You know, Sean Clifford going down the field. I, I look bottom half of the top twenty-five. A lot of a lot of people jump in it, including a team in Oregon that lost forty-nine to three first week for crying out loud. I don't look at ratings, but I don't think Penn State and Sean Clifford. Uh, are bad. I, I don't know if they're great, but they're they're pretty good. I mean, they're good enough. Yeah, no, I, I watched that Purdue game. Uh, I went back and watched the the first you know quarter against Miami. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, against Ohio. Uh, I about to say Miami of Ohio uh, against Ohio, where they won 59 to 10. Uh, they they have a loaded running back room. They play four running backs. That's what James Franklin does. He did that in Vanderbilt. Uh, when, when he was in the Southeastern Conference. And they got a quarterback in Sean Clifford. Look, the, the guy's a gamer. You know, he's got some kind of moxie about him. He's been there for a while, so I think everybody has seen him play at least once or twice uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, but, you know, they, they they got a freshman, Drew Allen, you know, a kid that um, he can sling the ball. And they Penn State fans got a taste of that, that last weekend. And now they're like, oh, okay, wait a minute. This kid is this kid can do kind of everything. Like, do we need to put him in over Clifford? Like, how does that work? So I wrote about it earlier in the week, and I think that, you know, if the situation gets a little dicey in Auburn, throw in the young kid, see what kind of moxie he has, see what he can do under 
you know, the lights and, and 85,000 crazy Auburn fans, you know. Um, Penn State needs this win as well, Dan. James Franklin does, man. This is this is one of those times where you look at Penn State and what they've done the last two seasons, it just doesn't cut it um, at Penn State. And you look at it in the Big Ten and the direction that we're heading right now, you got you need to go on the road and take care of business against Auburn. Um, I don't think a loss will be looked upon, you know, even a close loss. I think it it would be difficult for Penn State fans. So, it, it, the situation Saturday might call for two different quarterbacks. I'm interested. Uh, should Alabama fans be concerned, and if so, how much? <laughs> Look, Alabama usually has one or two of those games every year where it's like, you know, close and you freak out, but then you end up winning. Um, look, and Nick Saban would probably tell his closest friends that that was the best thing that could ever happen to our football team, uh, winning a game that close, having to do it the way that they did. Um, they're going to come in. They're going to stop Louisiana Monroe this weekend. Uh, but I think that, you know, the offensive line is what surprised me a little bit, Dan. I think they've got work to do. And here's another thing as well. They're thin at wide receiver. You don't say that a lot about Alabama, but you've got you know, a few guys that are injured right now. You've got a kid like Jermaine Burton who transferred over from Georgia after winning a national championship and beating Alabama last year. He transferred to Alabama. Hasn't really produced yet for the time. Um, not saying he won't, but hasn't really produced yet. And – you know, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me there were, were the mistake, mistakes they were making along the offensive line, the penalties, and they don't have, you know, in the past where they would have, you know, I'm just going to throw out some running backs, but like Trent Richardson, Derek Henry, uh, Brian Robinson, they, just these big backs, and they don't have that this year. They don't have that monster in the backfield. I know Jameer Gibbs. The good running back from Georgia Tech, but they're using him in different ways. But um, if you're an Alabama fan, just take a week off. You got Louisiana Monroe, take a breath, chill out. But then the big game comes in two weeks. Alabama's going to travel to Arkansas, and we're going to really find out what this Tim Crimson Tide team is all about. When you look overall at college football, let, let, let's take a team like Arkansas, okay? Um, Kentucky, it, are they, you know, Georgia looks to be here, Alabama, I don't care, it looks to be here, Ohio State, maybe Michigan, I don't know. Where are the, the Arkansas's, where are the Kentuckys, you know, in relation to the top, top tier? You know, I don't think they're, it's all, here, here's the biggest thing. It's always difficult for fans in the Southeastern Conference to say, oh, Arkansas and Kentucky are actually good, maybe they should be near the top. The biggest part about that is, is they have to go prove it, and I completely understand it, meaning Arkansas would have to beat a team like Alabama in two weeks. Kentucky's going to have to beat a team like Georgia in November, make sure that their record looks good heading into that game. I think you know it's, it's always going to be difficult because everybody looks at it and you're like, Alabama, Georgia – Previous years, LSU, you know, and, and now you've got, you know, it's, it, Florida was the case, you know, and that's been a, a, a prominent deal. Tennessee's coming along. But I, I agree with your point where you look at teams like 
Arkansas and Kentucky. I, I think I think Arkansas can beat Alabama. I think Kentucky can hang with Georgia, um, especially where the games are being played at this year. Um, now, does, you know, does that mean that's going to happen and they're going to win and they're going to end up in Atlanta? I'm not going that far. But I'm saying that these, these teams, with the talent they have this year, and recruiting is a whole different story. But with the teams that they have this year, yeah, they're, they're getting closer. And look, when you have teams that are ranked in the top 10, top 15, you know, I, I think you have to take them seriously. And, and the best example of that is, you know, Alabama's not going to overlook anybody coming off that Texas win. Uh, Georgia, and they're not going to be tested this weekend, but they will be tested over the next four weeks. So we're going to find out what the rest of the conference looks like and how to take other teams seriously. Um, and it's like that all around college football. You know, it's we, you know everybody took Notre Dame too seriously. And then look at them. They, they, they come out and they're 0-2 on the season. You know, look at Texas A&M. They, they dropped that game to Appalachian State, and everybody thought A&M was world beaters. But, you know, now they're in a must-win game. So it's all crazy, Dan. Do you think, and I'll let you go with this. I'm curious your thought on this, Trey. Jimbo Fisher, a lot of money here. Great recruiting class. When you lose a game, everyone wants your job. I get all that. Is he in any danger here at all? I mean, I know, you. okay, you lose out, you're done. I get all that. But what does he have to do? <laughs> you bet. Don't you dare lose that game this weekend uh, to Miami. I'm just telling you, man, it, it is a – Saturday's game, Saturday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time, 8 o'clock Central time against Miami. It is a very, very important game for Jimbo Fisher because you cannot let this continue to spiral. Now, I'm not in any way saying Jimbo Fisher is going to be fired from Texas A&M. No. And they, don't, they don't have the, the buyouts. It's crazy. But they're not doing that in general. It's Jimbo Fisher. What I am saying is that you're going to light a fire on town if you lose that game to Miami because here's the kicker. You've got to go play Arkansas next week in Arlington, and you're going to probably lose to Arkansas. And then you got to go to Mississippi State and play Mike Leach in that air raid offense and one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC and Will Rogers. There is a chance if they lose this game to Miami that this team might have one win over the first five weeks of the season. It's crazy to say that, but looking at the schedule, it could line up. And, and Jimbo Fisher is much – complaining as he does and, you know, talking about recruiting and going off on other coaches and whatnot, he needs to fix what's going on in his house right now and not chalk this up to, well, we just didn't play well. we got to come back together. No, you're supposed to beat these teams. Go do it. So I think that's the, that's the biggest conundrum that they're in right now down in College Station. Better win. I'll tell you Better what, win. it's a lot like it, – it, it's a lot like where we're at with the Colts. I was just talking about it. You know, Colts lost a couple last year, end of the season. Interim coaches kept them out of the playoffs. Uh, owner, like boosters, made a big deal about lying in the sand. This is what we're doing. You tie Houston, and if you lose to Jacksonville again, I'm not saying anybody should be fired, but I am saying, as you said, it gets white hot and there are some losses I believe you can't come back from. I just believe that. I do. I they're believe not, that, Trey. They're, 
They're not spending that amount of money on recruiting facilities, his contract for them to be losing games against App State, Miami at home, Mississippi State on the road. They ain't doing it. So for a team that started, what, sixth in the country in the AP poll, you better figure it out real quick in College Station, Dan. You're damn right. Thanks, Trey. Have a great weekend in Alabama and uh, Auburn, man. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Enjoy Armando. He's such a great dude. (laughs) (laughs) Two of the greats. We got Trey and then we got Armando. I got to tell you, uh, I was told to give him a minute to get Armando set up. Uh, A lot of people, I'm on the YouTube chat right now. Uh, A lot of people are saying, how long has Sean Clifford been at Penn State. You want me to give you that answer? I think I played against him back 110 years ago. I do. I think I did. I think I played against him. But I didn't even play football. Uh, Are we good with Armando? Armando, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you, sir? Hey, let's get right into it. You're Miami Dolphins, and I say you're. uh, Pretty good. Great start. Why do they have Belichick's number? What What is going on here? Well, it helps that they have Belichick's number because Belichick doesn't have number 12, who is Tom Brady. And I think that what has happened is, and no disrespect to what the Dolphins have accomplished against the New England Patriots, because they really have had a lot of success against them of late, but a lot of people have had a lot of success against New England of late. You'll remember that the way that the New England Patriots finished last season was playing Buffalo, who's a division opponent, by the way, and isn't going to go away. And the Buffalo Bills didn't punt against the New England Patriots in the playoffs last year. And they just utterly um, destroyed them. And so here we come this year. Bill Belichick went out and got a lot of talent at receiver, right? No. He uh, he realized that Mac Jones is a good but not great quarterback, and he went out and found a great quarterback, right? No. He found himself an accomplished offensive play caller and coordinator with a history of doing it and with Super Bowl rings doing it, right? No. Yeah, he found himself a great quarterback coach to make Mac Jones really good, right? No, Joe Judge actually has never coached quarterbacks. And Matt Patricia, the offensive play caller, won a Super Bowl with the Patriots as the defensive coordinator. So Bill Belichick has done a lot of curious things, and he's always had a history of doing curious things. But he also previously also had a history of having Tom Brady. And he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. And I think that's the reason he's kind of struggling a little bit. Can I let, – let me go there with you. Because I did this the other day. I compared the records of Brady and Belichick since the divorce. Look, I, I'm not saying it's totally fair to compare. But, you know, what is really fair? Is it, is it time maybe, sort of? For Belichick to start winning a little bit without Brady at his, at, at, you know, at the controls. I mean, I'm feeling like the divorce has been won by number twelve. Even if he goes through another divorce, let's put it that way. 
There's no doubt about that. Look, Bill Belichick told owner Robert Kraft years ago, he's starting to decline, he being Tom Brady. We should go year to year with him on contracts. They did that. And then ultimately, Belichick didn't stand in the way and didn't push for keeping Brady when the divorce happened. And the year after the divorce happened, the guy who was de declining and should be on a year-to-year -year contract won the Super Bowl with a team that had been 7-9 and nine the year before. Okay? And so Tom Brady takes a 7-9 and nine team with the same coaching staff, the same talent, everything, and he, turn he turns them into a Super Bowl winner. And Bill Belichick goes from a playoff team with Tom Brady – to seven and nine. I don't know, but the evidence is kind of right there in front of us, is it not? Were, were you at the Miami-New England uh, game? I was not. I was in Carolina and uh, the Browns because um, the outkick thought was Baker Mayfield against his old team for the first time. And no Deshaun Watson. Let's see what the Browns have too. So that's the game that I covered. Okay. All right. So let me let me go that route. Because I was going to ask you about watching Tua as a quarterback. And I will because you've seen him enough. But I'll also ask you this. Seeing two guys, Baker Mayfield, and then let's be honest, the guy who's replacing him now, Jacoby Brissett. Those three guys, Tua, Brissett, and Baker Mayfield, what did you think of each of them? Okay, let's start with Tua. Um, the idea that the Dolphins have had this year is to surround Tua with um, dynamic talent and hope that that raises his level of play, um, and it might. In fact, I predict that it will. Tua will ever be a dynamic elite quarterback in the NFL. Tua has elite accuracy. And when he starts to process faster, when he starts to read defenses pre-snap better, he will be very good. But when things go awry, and they often do in the NFL, like every other play, basically, um, the elite talents, they can make chicken salad out of chicken something else. And the, the non-elite players, they fail. And I think ultimately, more times than not, to a, in off-schedule you know, plays, he's not Josh Allen, he's not Patrick Mahomes, who's throwing behind his back, no looks, this and that. Josh Allen is running for 15 yards and plowing over defensive backs with a stiff arm. Um, Tua isn't that guy. And so that's my my take on him. We'll see if I'm wrong. I doubt it. it it's been the case so far. Um, Jacoby Brissett is not a good quarterback. He's a, he's a solid backup. He's going to be fine in small doses. The problem for the Cleveland Browns is the dose that they're getting is 11 games. And he wasn't very good in this game against a, a middling team. And he's not going to be all that good when they play better teams. 
And Baker Mayfield, um, you know, inconsistent, which has been what Baker Mayfield has been, inconsistent. When you when you look around, and in the AFC, you know, we talk about it all the time. Man, it, people ask me, well, are the Colts a Super Bowl team? And I'm like, well, are they better? Do they have a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson? Do they have a better quarterback than Justin Herbert? Do they have a better quarterback than Josh Allen? Do they have a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? It's really interesting. Great quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks win Super Bowls basically every year for 20 years and then Brad Johnson jumps in or maybe a Joe Flacco or, you know, Trent Dilfer. You know, I mean, it's like, look at look at history. Hall of Fame quarterbacks win freaking Super Bowls, period. Period, Armando. And what you're telling me is at least in these three cases, these are just ant guys. They're, well, we yes, absolutely they are. Uh, at least that's what they have been. And the first game didn't change anybody's mind. Uh, I will tell you this. Tonight we're getting a game, uh, Kansas City and the don't call me San Diego, call me Los Angeles Chargers. Um, unbelievable that that's still a fact. Uh, anyway, so Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, that is the new, and as I wrote on OutKick today, Dan, that is the new Manning versus Brady. That is the new um, Troy Aikman against, uh, you know, the San Francisco 49ers and, and Steve Young. That's the new arms race in the NFL because in the last 33 NFL games, which is how many games Justin Herbert has played, I can read you the stats. Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 9,925 yards. Justin Herbert has thrown for 9,629 yards. That is number one and number two in NFL history of most yards passed in NFL history uh, the first 33 games. You don't, you don't think that those two guys are – those two guys are elite. That's elite. And, and by the way, right now, the highest quarterback rating in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes with 144.2. The second highest rating is a guy that has a 129.4. His name is Justin Herbert. One and two. Those guys, elite. And we get to watch him tonight. Who wins? Look. Uh, what I'm not a big wrestling guy. Okay. I, I understand that it's all real and true and there's no acting in wrestling. Okay. Let me establish that. Uh, but didn't someone famous, uh, some famous wrestler say to be the man, you got to beat the man. It isn't that I, somebody said that in wrestling and the Kansas city chiefs in the AFC West are the man. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs until somebody beats them. Armando, I said this earlier. I, I, I said, you know, that was a big game week one for Arizona, right? Arizona, they, they get their quarterback. They get that. Here comes the Chiefs, right? It's at our place. And they got their you-know-what kicked. 
I mean, they got it kicked up and down and over and out, and it's still being kicked. Now, the question becomes, can't, is that the Chiefs' level? Like, is that how they're going to play? And if there's a dip, how much of a dip in game two against a really good opponent? Because I don't think anybody, I, you may disagree, but I don't think you can argue nobody was better than the Chiefs. And the Chargers were pretty good beating uh, Derek Carr and those guys. Pretty good. Right. Uh, the one thing I would say is that tonight the Chiefs face a pass rush duo in Khalil Mack and Joey Boza that the Arizona Cardinals couldn't bring to bear. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals had to come up with all these you know, exotic blitzes and stuff like that because they don't have a pass rush. Their pass rush was on the inactive list in J.J. Watt, um, you know, so and he that's it. They don't have a genuine pass rusher. And so they're, they, the Chiefs, are going to face an issue that they haven't seen yet. And those two guys, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, they're game changers. And they're especially game changers late in the game, especially if they're protecting a lead. So that's the one thing that I would be curious to see whether the Chiefs can hold up up front against those guys. Do you have Amazon Prime Video? Yeah, I sure do. No thanks to myself, by the way. My wife, uh, you know, she was a big Amazon uh, purchaser. Oh, boy. Uh, and she even started buying groceries through Amazon, like Whole Foods would deliver groceries to our house. And I'm like, what the frick? Why are people doing our grocery shopping? Who are we? And so... Yeah, so I have Amazon Prime because my wife has Amazon shopping and Amazon, you know, sneakers and Amazon uh, celery and Amazon everything. Do you uh, do you know that Amazon drunk Amazon shopping is a two billion dollar business? People have a you know like. You know, like uh, drunk texting, that kind of stuff. Drunk Amazon shopping. I, um, I'm off on Saturday, Dan. And thanks for suggesting an activity for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my wife and I, we were sitting, we were by a fire outside. And, you know, we got into some wine. It was during the pandemic, and I'm like, you know, we got a fireplace inside. We need a bearskin rug. So, you know, <laughs> about two days later, what shows up at our house? A bearskin rug, and I go, ah, oh, crap! I totally, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I totally forgot. It's like you don't even need to leave. Uh, it's stunning. I mean, it's great. You know. Uh, by the way, the New World Order is here, brother. <laughs> they, they, they know what you like before you like it. It's like they know you. If you don't think they're collecting data on you, they know you. Like I will watch a, uh, a video of, say, for example, the NFL, and the next time I go on Amazon, there's 50 NFL products that – they're suggesting that right. I buy. Uh, it, right. It's, it, 
it's eye-opening. It really is, but very convenient, I got to tell you. Oh, my God. It, 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 look, I don't answer my door, all right? Like, if somebody knocks on my door, I don't answer it. I could be sitting right there. I don't answer it because I always figure if it's somebody that was coming to see me, they would text first. Or, number two, there's no need to answer it because it's the Amazon guy leaving the package, knocking on the door, and leaving. That's it. That's my deal. Uh, and this is where I, I suggest ring doorbell camera. <laughs> Go with that. More, more technology that's collecting data on you. Ring doorbells. Just you'll see who it is without even opening that's the right. door. And by the way, you can tell them get the hell off my property, damn it! If you don't like what they, uh, what they're, uh. and they and they do. <laughs> Thanks, Armando. Where are you at this weekend? Where are you going? Actually, I am home this weekend. And so uh, next weekend will be Tampa Bay and Green Bay. So let me see. Yeah, Tom Brady against um, the four-time MVP quarterback. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Not bad. Not bad, big boy. Not bad at all. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> read them. Read Armando. Go to Outkick.com, which is just spicing up the world. Dan Levitar and his minions. Outkick, you can F all the way off. All the way off? What if I only want to F some of the way off? What if I only want to F a little bit off? I don't know. All right, we're going to come back. I'll tell you, you people from Indy that are joining, why it's must win for Frank Reich and give you some information that you need. You need this information that I'm getting ready to give you. Keep it right here. Let's go. Be right back. Colts fans, welcome. I'm going to say this again because it feels so stupid and so odd, but this could be Frank Reich's last football game as the head coach of the Colts against the Jaguars. Let me ask you again, what would you do? You're the owner. You made this big deal. You made this big deal about being all in. Man, we're all in. All right, you're all in. You go, you tie the Texans, you lose to the Jags. I got to tell you. And you got a head coach right there, a guy who's been a head coach. I'm not sure they would do it because everybody within the Colts gets along really well, but what would you do? What would you do? If you were Jim Ursay and you are in love with this is your life, this franchise. And if you lose in the Jags after tying the Texans, you're embarrassed. There is no amount of local media ass, oh, sorry, booty kissing that can overcome the fans going, what are we doing? We are tired of this. You draw a line in the sand, somebody jumps over that line in the sand, they make it where you have no choice, and that's what would happen in this because Jimmy Ursay has been very, 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 very vocal about, hey, we're all in, we got to go get the Titans, we're in a golden era of Colts football, and then you tie the Texans, and then you lose to the Jags, it may be over. I don't think it'd be over for the general manager. He's a survivor. But I'll tell you this, man. Going to be hard. Frank Wright, great dude. Everybody, great people. I love them. 
They're fantastic. But as you know, and I know, and we all know, in this league, you got to freaking win. And if you don't, particularly with an owner that is active, man. Hey, I got a story for you that I'm curious if you have seen. Vaughn, Yvonne Chenard, he founded uh, Patagonia, the outdoor apparel store that you see, actually, you Colts fans, you see um, Chris Ballard wearing Patagonia hats. It's an outdoor apparel store. Listen to this. He's a billionaire. Didn't want to be a billionaire. He has given away his company. All Patagonia profits are going to be used for climate change. Here's the deal. He and his family have forfeited all of their shares in Patagonia. It's a company valued at $3 billion. And it, in fact, renounces their status as one of the wealthiest families in the United States. Imagine doing that just for a second. You know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, I give money. I give. It's another thing to renounce all your fortune. Now, look, I'm not sure I would give it to climate change. Dylan and I were talking about that off air. Who would you give it to? I I don't know. But I do know a childhood cancer, maybe, if I was going to do it, that would kind of be my thing. But it is an outdoor apparel company. It is amazing. He said this, hopefully this will influence a new form of capitalism that doesn't end up with a few rich people and a bunch of poor people. We're going to give away the maximum amount of money to people who are actively working on saving this planet. Details of the years-long process, they're still deciding uh, where and how to give everything away. Now, as you can imagine, the first comment under, communism at its best. There's always a comment under. Like, you, can, you can't swing a dead cat, which is a saying that I don't know where it started. It started uh, somewhere, and it ended up in Maryville, Indiana. We never really swung dead cats, but for whatever the reason, that is a saying that I have used. Swinging dead cats. Okay. But anyway, how about that? How about a man giving away? We all give. Like we all, I, I do anyway. I'm sure most people give. You know, I give to my high school. I love giving to my high school. I give uh, today. I'm going to go to a funeral of one of my former players. I'm going to pay for some of it. Not all of it, but I'm going to pay for some of it. You give. You give in ways that you can, but to give your entire fortune away? Wow. How about that? Man, uh, I got to tell you, good for you, sir. Good for you. All right. Let's put it up on the board. Let's put it up on the board, and let's see. You can only save two of these. You can only save two of these TV dads from being replaced. Which two would you choose? Well, I got to tell you, number one on mine, I don't want Al Bundy and his testicle-scratching self to ever go away. So I am taking Al Bundy. Let me explain to you what you're seeing right here in Al Bundy. What you are seeing in Al Bundy is every single adult male on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday in the fall. 
You see that right hand? You see that left hand? No, you don't see those hands. Why? Because Al Bundy is performing an art form. The lift and the scratch. That's right. And don't at me about it. Don't even think about adding me about it. The left hand, if you're left-handed, the right hand, if you're right-handed, is perfect in every way. Particularly sitting back, the lift, and the scratch. And let me tell you something else. Look at these pictures. I want you to look at these pictures. Uh, upper left, Philip Banks looks concerned. Middle left, Red Foreman looks pensive. Bottom left, Andy Griffin looks pretty happy, right? He looks like he's taking a picture, you know, for his senior year. Upper middle, same thing. This is my police officer's outfit picture, right? Middle, Tim Taylor, you know what he looks like? He looks like a comedian posing for his mugshot that they put when he is headlining at Crackers which is actually a comedy club in Indy. That's what he looks like. You see, I'm going to save Bundy for last. You see upper right, action shot. Dan Connor. you know what? He's dealing with stuff, but he's kind of happy. Danny Tanner, disciplining the children. Bottom right, Fred G. Sanford. He's astonished by what that big dummy did. His son. But you see Al Bundy. No, put that back. Put that back. Put that back. No, 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 no. You see Al Bundy. Look at the face on Al Bundy. You know what you see on the face of Al Bundy? Contentment. You see joy. You see, oh, man, how awesome is this? How fantastic is this? How awesome do I feel right now, and I don't care who sees it. It is a state of bliss that he is in that every man knows. I'm just saying, it's a state of bliss that every single adult male gets. He's number one. Number two for me will always be, will never not be, Fred G. Sanford. Let me tell you something. Fred Sanford has been a part of my life since high school. Fred G. Sanford was what we would all, black kids, white kids, we would all talk about what's the G stand for. Fred Gregarious Sanford. Fred, get out of my way, dummy. Everybody would talk about Fred G. Sanford. Everybody watched Sanford and Son, not going to lie. What's the top one? Fresh Prince. Haven't watched much of it. What's the middle one? 70s show. No. In my world... Andy Griffin wasn't a thing. When I went down to Southern Indiana and played basketball at Indiana, Andy Griffin was a lifestyle. Middle, Fresh Prince, was in college, didn't watch. Same thing, Tim Taylor, didn't watch. Dan Connor, a little bit, Full House, I've seen. The only two that I really saw, I'd love Bundy. If you want something funny, all right, and you can handle it, and you're not going to go crying to Twitter because it's going to make you upset, do yourself a favor, just click on Great Al Bundy Quotes. And I mean, you're going to do two things. One, you're going to laugh like a crazy person. You are going to laugh like crazy. 
And two, you're going to say this, because everybody says this. Oh, man. They couldn't make that today. Nah. Nah, they couldn't make that today. That show would never fly today. Same thing they would say about Fred G. Sanford and Sanford and Son. Oh, you couldn't do that today, man. You couldn't call on Esther what they just called on Esther. You couldn't do that today. That's what you get with the two of them. I love this. Uh, I love this because, frankly, we all, as dads, make all kind of different faces. We all, as dads, have different type of things going on. And Brett says it best. The fake heart attacks is something we all did and something that we continue to do. Elizabeth, I don't do a great friend. Yeah, Aunt Esther was freaking awesome too. She wasn't kind of awesome. Aunt Esther, that's how, that's how Desmond, uh, his, name was De what? his name was Desmond in real life. Uh, you big dummy used to say, Aunt Esther, awesome. Lamont. Uh, Dan, you know Ed O'Neill nailed his character in Married with Children when you watch Little Giants and the kids are still wondering when he was going to be out. Now, Jennifer, who has become gritty, Jennifer's gritty. Yeah. She is uh, facetiously saying Dr. Huxtable. I would imagine that that was kept off this list for a variety of reasons. See, Southern Indiana, this is what, again, Northern Indiana, we didn't get Andy Griffin. I mean, we got it on TV, but we didn't really get it. You know, we had a fishing hole, but we played hockey on it and, you know, but we didn't get it. You guys got it. On Esther, Brad Buffington says, hey, man, she didn't take crap from nobody. No, she was going to throw hands. There, everybody was getting ready to throw hands. It was almost like an entire show of chaos. If you get a chance, uh, watch yourself a little bit of Sanford and Son. Do yourself a favor. Watch that and watch Bundy clips, and I swear you'll be rolling. I swear to God. Now, Franklin asks, hey, man, where is Archie Bunker? I don't know. He's another guy. I didn't really love, I didn't hate it. Sunday night in my family was Archie Bunker and all the rest. Maybe it was Saturday night. It was Sunday. And I liked it. It was funny. But I was young. I ain't really get it. I always liked George Jefferson and I like Wheezy. I did like the Jeffersons. I like the maid in the Jefferson. She was sassy. <laughs> but anyway, one of my um, one of my great um, great. I, there's a couple of things that I wish, or people that I wished I'd seen. Wayne Gretzky was one. Never saw the great one. Never saw the great one play hockey. He, in the, you know, he played here, but I didn't live in Indy. As a little kid, he played here, and I never saw Red Fox or Don Rickles do comedy. Like Red Fox, see, I've told you this before. Maybe I haven't told this show. I love, and I don't mean like, I love dirty, raunchy humor. I love it. In fact, about six, seven years ago, I was asked to be part of a uh, fundraiser where different people in Indianapolis got up and did a live comedy show at Crackers in Broad Ripple. 
So I've always wanted to tell the raunchiest joke that I could possibly tell. I'm not going to tell it here. So I asked my friend Tommy Waddle was on the other day, Waddle and Sylvie. I was up there in Chicago. I go, hey, man, either of you have a really raunchy joke? And Sylvie told me the joke that absolutely that's my joke. So I got up there and I told it and the place fell apart, right? I mean, free for all, crazy. I got to tell you, that's a thrill. That's a big time thrill. I do a lot of speaking engagements for people. And the key is to make them laugh from the start. And when you get them laughing, I got to tell you, that's a thrill. It is. It's a big time thrill. Always wanted to see Red Fox. Red Fox was Fred G. Sanford. Sad that I missed him. Anyway. All right. We've had a great show today. Who's the woke dope of the day, big boys? Who we got here? I know, dirty jokes are a dying art. They are. You go to a college campus, uh, Marby Dog, you go to a college campus and you tell a dirty joke at a comedy club, like whatever the place is called in Bloomington, and I'm telling you, people will walk out, they'll protest, bah! It's crap. Total crap. The dirtier, the better. Red Fox, Don Rickles, Give it to me, baby. Love it. Don't like it. Love it. Andrew Dice Clay's old stuff. Eddie Murray. Funny. Roll on your back. Funny. All right, here we go. Woke film critic warns fat people uh, should not watch a new film because of dangerous fat phobia. And look at my guys putting back fat right in the middle. Look, being fat is awful. I don't care. I mean, this film critic can get all upset about it, but I'm fat. I was never fat. I'm now fat, and I hate it. I don't like it. I freaking hate it. I hate it to my core. My knees hurt. My health isn't as good. I'm fat. And I got to tell you, anybody that celebrates others being fat, you're trying to kill them. I'm not saying anybody should be shamed. I'm not saying that at all. But I got to tell you, if I, when I see people that are fat as me, I always think, you know what? That ain't great. That's not great. I'm going to go get something done here. I'm going to go work out. I always work out, but I don't diet very well. I'm going to diet. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And it lasts, oh, I don't know, maybe a day. I was dieting good this week. Then I had to take a bunch of, or I went with a bunch of people yesterday to a place called Bongi's. Oh my God, they served me a platter of pork tenderloin as big as my head. What did I do? I ate every ounce of it. It was unbelievable. You know what I did when I got home? I found my wife's stash of chocolate chips, mini chocolate chips, butterscotch. I needed dessert. I didn't have the blueberry cobbler. So this woke critic, Katie Reef, says you should not, you should not watch the whale. It reinforces the notion that fat people are objects of pity who have brought their suffering on themselves through lack of coping skills. 
She decries that the film did not include any officially fat people during the production. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you live? Brendan, Brendan Fraser portrays a depressed man who weighs over 600 pounds. He has a fat suit. The suit sparked outrage. Other writers say the director of the film showed his fat phobia by casting a skinny man in a fat suit instead of an actual 600-pound actor. Damn him! All right. Okay. Here's the deal. Uh, I want Brendan Fraser in my movie. What can I tell you? If that's phobic, then that's phobic. But it's a movie. It's not real life. Why do you think Tom Cruise is in every movie? I just watched Tom Cruise in, uh, what was it called? The Terminalist. No. Was it The Terminalist? I don't know. Whatever I just watched him in. He was really good. He was really good. But I got to tell no, the Elvis movie. But he wasn't a colonel. Wasn't Colonel Parker a colonel? Tom Cruise isn't, or Tom Hanks isn't bald. Tom Cranks isn't that old. I mean, it's Hollywood. It's make-believe. What are we talking about here? Now you're not even able to make-believe in Hollywood because we'll get mad about how you make-believe. What are we doing? I'll go watch The Whale now. Good for that film critic. Good for that person. Now I'm going to watch it. Now I want to see it. I haven't been in a movie theater in three years. One of my life's great joys is go to a movie theater. But now because this slap don't like it, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go watch it. I am so fat. Everything's a phobia. How about we have, uh, how about you're some kind of phobic when you turn a tweet into your narrative? That's narrative tweeting phobia. What other phobias can we have? Man, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. And I got nothing for it. I got nothing for it. Every single thing we do in real life, I get. You want to be, okay, fine. But even in the movies, where guess what you're trying to do? Make some money. Tell a story. Sometimes the story's real. Sometimes the story's not. What are we doing? I'm Dan Dockage, and from here, now, it used to be from here, but from here to my cratch, I'm fat, and it ain't healthy, and I'm going to go to the doctor on the 22nd of this month, my cardiologist, and he's going to do a heart test, and I'm going to run a treadmill, and since I've gained 20 pounds, I'm not going to do as well on a treadmill, and he's going to tell me something, and it's going to go like this, look. Being overweight isn't healthy. It gives you so, uh, the percentages of so many bad things go up when you're fat. That's what a doctor is going to tell me. I get ripped all the time. You don't believe science? No, I, I got a vaccine. You're questioning science. I don't. I don't question doctors. I, I don't. But he's going to tell me I'm fat. He's going to tell me that I need to lose weight. And he's going to tell me I need to eat better. That's what he's going to tell me. And I'm going to go, okay. And then for about two days, I will. And then I won't. And eventually, I'm going to have to figure that out. Man, 
I tweeted something out yesterday. As more and more comes out about the negative effects of the COVID vaccine, it sickens me how arrogant and awful indie media and sports media in general was to athletes that make their own personal choices. And I go with a study that was on Wish TV. New study finds organ recipients rejecting transplant after receiving COVID vaccine. A doctor tells me how misleading this is. Now, I don't think he read my tweet. Dan, this tweet is pretty misleading. I'm a physician, would be happy to discuss their amazingly safe profile. Hey, I'm in. I'm, I got the vaccine. I'm cool with the vaccine. That's not my point. My point is I'm tired of media bullying athletes that fought on their own. Boy, I jumped around there in the last five minutes. I'll be on 107.5. Then I got to go to a funeral. I'll be here tomorrow, 9 to 11. Catch more at outkick.com. It's the best site you're going to find because everybody's paying attention to us. Levitard, baby. Uh, we got to go F ourselves all the way. What if I only, you know, a little bit. We'll see you tomorrow.